Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. I'm Chris Avina with American Outdoor News, and today we have the founder and host of Mac Outdoors. She is an outdoor writer, a podcaster. She sits on multiple boards and committees for SCI, Colorado delegate for DC Project, and uh, just a great champion for the outdoor lifestyle. Please welcome Mia Einstein. Mia, thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. It's good to see you virtually since we haven't been in person in a while. Uh, about two years. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we know each other. God, it has to be like 10 years. And I, I have to say, it really has been uh, an experience, an enjoyable experience watching you grow in the industry uh, because you were kind of like the go-to girl. Uh, you were always available for everything. Um, you, you don't say no. How do you do it? <laughs> I do say no. <laughs> <laughs> I, for people in the industry and especially people who need to be mentored I always say I'm a mentor but I try to be available for people who have questions or need help and stuff like that I I always say my door is open and especially a lot of people say oh you're you're busy you should close your door and make a schedule and make people make appointments and even for my family it's just like no I, if you need to talk i'm here or if friends need something i'm like okay i'm here and if i need to push back my schedule where i'm writing at midnight then i write at midnight <laughs> i'm uh, i'm usually asleep by that time i'm at the gym at 6 a.m so i i need at least my eight hours of beauty sleep it hasn't worked but <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I try to get my sleep too. I mean, you definitely need it to recuperate and recover from anything. So rest is important. No, but it's not. I also I'm, feel like I'm Eastern so important time, too. And when I'm at, up at six, you're up at four. So yeah. I don't know where I don't know where you're getting your sleep from. <laughs> <laughs> I go to sleep before the sun goes down. <laughs> Unless I'm behind on a deadline, then <laughs> I do what I got to do. Now, most recently, uh, you got involved with the DC project. Yeah. Now, I, I think that's pretty topical right now, what's going on with Kyle Rittenhouse and uh, the attacks on the Second Amendment. Tell us about the DC project. Yeah. So I've been a part of the DC project for about four or five years and have traveled to DC with the women of the DC project a few times. And before that, I had gone to Capitol Hill to testify for the GOP about the universal background check bills that uh -huh. were in the house at the time, that they actually passed the house the day that I was on Capitol Hill testifying. Um, but because of the Second Amendment and because of my upbringing, really, I understand there's a need for self-defense. There's a need to protect yourself. I live in a rural area. I live pretty far from any first responders showing up. And out here, you have to have a means to protect yourself. I also, I grew up in Southwest Colorado in a little tiny town. And then my parents divorced and I went to San Diego to the city. And that's where I lived. And so I kind of, I understand both worlds and in the city as well, you need to be able to protect yourself. And if you can't carry a firearm, you need to learn how to either do hand to hand defense or carry other means, either devices or uh, mace or different things to protect yourself. But I always say, don't just have one way to protect yourself, have multiple. Uh -huh. and when I went to Capitol Hill to testify, part of the universal background check law is I can't lend somebody a firearm. In Colorado, we have universal background check laws. Yes. And, um, <clears throat> one of my friends had been attacked and had his throat slit by an illegal immigrant. Mm -hmm. And his wife ended up having to go back home. That, that guy had come to their house way out in the middle of nowhere. And she had to go back home and she didn't have her own firearm, but I also couldn't lend her one. And she had to be there because they have animals to take care of as well. And so it was like, I can't lend this to you without you going to the store and me basically giving you my gun and, and legally it's hers then. And I wouldn't be able to get it back if she decided she wanted to keep it. So there's, there's so many nuances with those background check bills that once um, at, on Capitol Hill, I met one of the, I met Shana Rivas, who is a DC project delegate from Florida. And she kind of showed me around and how to approach legislators there in DC. And that's how I really, I had told Diana Muller that I wanted to be a part of it, but we just hadn't worked details out quite yet. She was, she had gone one year before that or two years before that. And so that kind of pulled me into that. And I had always gone to the Capitol here in Colorado, and it's six and a half hours away from where I live, but I go up there to testify on gun issues and wildlife issues. So it kind of seemed to me like it fits. I mean, yeah, I think everybody says I don't want to get into politics, but it's like I would encourage your listeners and like just before we started recording, I encourage you like get into teaching, hunter education. Mm -hmm. um, you can't rely on someone else to do it for you. 
And that's how I really got started was I went for the um, Sportsman's Day at the Capitol in Colorado. And as I said, I'm six and a half hours away and I had heard about this day over the years. Well, I ended up having something to do in Denver. So I was like, hey, while I'm there, I'm gonna go join all the sportsmen at the Capitol. And I was pretty excited. And I got there and there were like nine of us there. Wow. I thought it would be 100, maybe 70, you know, I thought there would be a lot of people there. And there was a letdown. Yeah. And that was, that was actually the day I decided, I'm like, I can't rely on someone else to defend my traditions, my heritage, my right to Mm self-defense. And if you go to the Capitol for Second Amendment issues, there are hundreds of moms demand action and that's kind of what dc project is the the counter to that because a lot of people think of gun owners as old men with beards and plaid jackets you know and it's like no i'm i'm a gun owner. if you want to see what a gun owner looks like here i am and i'm also i'm an instructor and educator but that's what i just encourage people like don't think that someone's there speaking for you because there may not be and more than likely is not now, with this uh, Kyle Rittenhouse, mm-hmm. uh, I, I I watched him on Tucker Carlson last night, and this kid is so well-mannered, well-spoken, mm-hmm. uh, just an average, everyday kid thrown into a situation uh, right. where he, he couldn't have put it better. Uh, it was all right to defend ourselves on trial, not Kyle Rittenhouse. And, you know, that really struck a tone. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's well beyond his age. Right. And, and he probably was before that happened. And now he's even more because of what he's been subjected to. Because it's not like you're innocent until proven guilty. He's guilty until he was proven innocent. And thank goodness he was proven innocent. But there's, there's so many nuances to that story and we can all say shoulda coulda woulda but also and as we're just talking about dc project and diana muller being a retired police officer i right away think of the police and like i said where i live it's a long ways for a police officer to come and get a bad guy out of my house yeah but but you know the police were told to stand down the police are being defunded everywhere and all that stuff is going on so you're in a, a volatile area. Of course, you want to protect yourself. Yeah, I, I, I personally, I come from a law enforcement family. My, my father was a, a police officer, my uncle, my cousin, probably 80% of my friends are. Um, I actually tried to get on myself, but they, they didn't want me. <laughs> <laughs> it was a medical issue, but uh, otherwise. But um, so, yeah, I look at things a little differently than most as well. But um, as a parent, you know, if my son was saying, hey, I'm going to go to, you know, to this protest for me, I'm saying like, hell you are. Uh, Right. And if he's strapping on a gun and saying, hey, I'm going to a protest, there's no way in hell I'm letting my son leave the house. Uh, I don't know. Is it? different for you in Colorado? We, I mean, like I said, we all have our different personal opinions and stuff, but I'm of the means, like, yes, I am about self-defense, but I'm also one who I will look for the escape route before I'll address a a confrontation. Yeah. You know, 
I mean, anywhere I go, I'm like, okay, I mean, it doesn't have to be in an area that anyone's aggressive or anything like that. But if I walk into a conference at SHOT Show, I'm like, okay, which way do I go to get out of here? And it's funny you say that. I do that as well. You go into a restaurant. Okay, we're sitting here. Where do I go to get out of here? And Mm -hmm. that's kind of my attitude. Um, I had... Some of my cousins, they live up in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and in Coeur d'Alene, all the residents there, initially when all these protests, and they were going from city to city to protest, you know, and in Coeur d'Alene, they all took their guns out and they lined the streets and said, you're not going to riot and destroy our city. And they were there to protect themselves and their businesses. I don't know what the laws are there for protecting your domain or anything like that, but yeah. They went out and did that. Here where I live, some people line streets in one of the small town. I, I stayed home. And that's just my personal feeling. Like, yes, I do believe you should do something to protect your rights. But also, I try to stay out of situations like that. Like you're you saying. Wanna, yeah, you don't want to put yourself into that situation. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm, I'm all about protecting. But also, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be somewhere where I didn't need to be. <laughs> it's like it's like being in a, a a bar or a nightclub after midnight. Nothing good happens after midnight. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, a friend of ours went to DC on January sixth, and oh. he was, "You guys should come. You guys should come." And we were like, "No, no, no." No, pass. <laughs> he wasn't involved in all the scandal, but it's like he could have been, you know. Sure. And very easy. That's not something I would have wanted to be, be involved in, you know. Yeah. So now you're involved in, in numerous um, committees and boards for Safari Club International. Yep. I, yeah. I know getting involved as a board member on SEI or, or uh, DSE like I'm involved with, that's, you know, that's an initial step. That's how they rope you in. hey we got this committee you want to sit on this committee and (laughs) And you know what though that's something that i always tell people if they want to be involved and help just be on a committee you don't have to be on a board you can be on a committee and help with a with the membership drive you can help with a banquet you can help with a an archery event you know i have some friends that love archery and they just help with an archery event i um personally i joined sci and same with NRA way back in the day, I joined them because they're the organizations that were at the Capitol lobbying for our rights. Yep. And now um, the NRA is a totally different story and we could talk about that later if you want to, but SCI is, they lobby for our, our hunting rights around the world and help protect that tradition. And I actually ended up, like you said, on a board for our local chapter because members had fallen out and stuff like that so they were like okay join the board and they they um over the years have kind of progressed into they do a lot of things locally SCI does and so I'm a member of a lot of organizations but SCI the local chapters keep 70% of their money to do what they want with in their community or wherever they choose but with that 70% funds, back when, before I had even joined, my daughter was in the NRA YHEC program, which is the Youth Hunter Education Challenge. And 
the SEI chapter would donate to those kids so they could travel to competitions or if they needed ammunition or, you know, whatever they needed. And that was something the chapter board could choose to donate to. They also, some of the chapters in Colorado do food banks, they do feeds for wounded veterans. They, um, gosh, there's so many things that they do. I can't even tell you all of them, but they, there's so many things that they can choose. They do fly fishing things. Uh, we do a youth fishing derby. And so they get to choose that. And to me, that's really neat because I, I'm a member of Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, but all that money goes up there and you can apply for money to use in your area for a project. Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of different. Whereas here, it's like we're raising money from our community for our community. And I just, I love that about SCI. See, I like that same, we do the same thing with DSA, Dallas Safari Club. It, mm -hmm. The Northeast chapter that I'm involved with, it consists of New York all the way up to Maine. We're the oh. largest chapter. So to do something in every state and, you know, get people involved, it's really tough. It's really yeah. tough. It's a big territory. Realistically, it should be broken up into three different territories. But yeah, uh, I, I would think so, just because you're so far apart. People, and people are more active when they can interact in person. Because yeah. that's something with all the organizations that I've seen is it with COVID and having to just meet virtually, it's nice because you can, I can visit right now, but as far as activating people and getting them in, involved and engaged and making them feel included, it's kind of hard over Zoom. It is, and I've been asked to, you know, take a, run a chapter in New York. Uh -huh. And I said, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, being on a board is, is a lot of work. Running a chapter, yeah, that's well above my paid grade. I'm not, I'm, I don't have the time. You might be surprised. You might not know how much leadership you have in you until you try. Oh, I, I, that's not the issue. It's the <laughs> amount of work involved that I, I'm not able to commit at this time. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's important is to don't commit for something that you can't do. Because I'm, so I'm on our local chapter board. I'm the regional representative for the state of Colorado, so I kind of oversee all the Colorado chapters, the SCI, and then as I'm on other committees, but seeing I'm the chairman for the regional representatives, and you see people, they say, oh yeah, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and then they don't follow through, and if you can't, like, don't say you want to be the president if you can't do it, or, you know, don't butt off more than you can chew. If you can only help on the on the women's shooting day, then only help on women's shooting day. Don't say you're going to do all these things. So that's exactly why I turned it down. I'm, I'm not willing to commit the time. But uh, now you, well, before Mac Outdoors, you had other blogs and, and, and writing that you've been involved with. How did you get involved as an outdoor writer? Oh, gosh. Not, it's not something you grow up and say, I'm going to be an outdoor writer. Yeah. <laughs> Well, first of all, Mac Outdoors is my company, mm -hmm. and then we started the podcast when my daughter was going away to school. I used to write a column for a, for a publication, and it was about myself and my daughter, and then when she was growing up and going away to school, I was like, okay, so that column is basically done because my daughter's grown now, so can't write about that part, 
So we started the podcast because we had a lot of followers that kind of, you know, they watched my daughter grow up. You watched my daughter grow up. Your daughter grow up. (laughs) Like, okay, you know, let's keep up with her. And so that's why she and I together started the podcast. And it was kind of a way to once a week stay in touch with each other. Uh Uh-huh. What happened is living in rural America, we don't have great internet. I'm happy that it's working today so I can visit with you. (laughs) (laughs) We would record and internet would glitch out or, you know, different things would happen. And so I think we were able to get almost a year of episodes and then it was just too much of a challenge for me editing because like like you, I do my own editing. I'm doing my own stuff. Like it's just Mia and... So we kind of put it on pause and then I've had people, they, like I said, I like to be available to people who want help. And so if someone messages me on social media and they ask, how do I know what the length of pool is on a shotgun? I'm like, okay, I'll let you know, but then now I make a podcast out of it. And you know, how do I stay warm in the winter? Okay, I'm going to let you know and I'm going to make a podcast about it. So that's kind of how the podcast started. They were actually feeding you uh, topics. <laughs> yeah, they're feeding me topics, and if they have that question, I know other people have it as well. Yes. So I try to share it with other people, but that's how Mac Outdoors actually started before that. We just called the podcast Mac Outdoors because I already had Mac Outdoors is my umbrella for my writing and my business. I, so mm-hmm. I write, and I freelance write. I'm a field editor, editor for Shooting Industry Magazine. I write for Mo- Mossy Oak Outdoors and a lot of different publications, and all of that goes through Mac Outdoors. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how Mac Outdoors is. But I got started writing because I was guiding hunts for my husband. And some of his friends would see me. We'd go out hunting for the day and then we'd come back to the cabin and I'd be in the corner on my laptop and typing away. My grandpa at the time was about 84, I believe. And he was not a hunter. He was a, an Air Force gunner and wow. he was more but he was like fascinated that I was out guiding hunters and so he was like you're doing what and at his age and not being able to spend time with him I would send him a letter like this is what I did today and those hunters would see me you know in the corner what are you doing you're typing away and I told him I was telling him the story about what happened today and a few of the hunters were like well can you send me the stories and I was like well okay so I'd email him the story and more and more started asking for the stories and I was like I can't just email all this stuff so I started my personal my miaanstein.com I started that and started just putting stories about my personal hunts because I also didn't want to like put somebody's story out there if they didn't want me to yeah that kind of drew the attention of I I met did you and I meet on the outdoor channel social media first when you had see me hunt um, geez, I, I know we first met through social media and then we yeah. met at SHOT Show, which was kind of an awkward meeting to begin with. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I remember you were on the steps by the um media room and I saw you there. I'm like, Aren't you Mia? <laughs> and I was like, Who is this? I didn't out of the world at the time, you know, but um, I had with the blog. I would put it on my personal blog and then I would put it on the outdoor channel. They used to have their own social media. 
And through that, the Outdoor Channel, they saw a review on the women's Under Armour. They saw different reviews like, hey, ladies, I found this and this is what I saw. And they started having publishing some of my reviews. And then another person heard one of my stories with my daughter and, oh, we want you to write some stuff for us. And that's kind of how I got started writing. It was a a great storyline because it was ongoing. Right. And and I still could do that as an ongoing, but it's just, I don't know, it's different than it was like, here's this little girl and we're growing her as she goes into hunting and her ups and downs and my ups and downs. And so she's a budding writer herself now. So she's studying journalism. She initially wanted to be a news commentator. She wanted, she loves Katie Pavlik and wanted to be Katie and um, she and Katie are friends actually, but once... Oh. All the politics started going on in 2016, like the violent, aggressive politics. She, she just decided, no, she doesn't want to do that. Um, she is a official photographer for several rodeos, and she does photojournalism for some different magazines and stuff like that. So she's she's kind of, yes, she's kind of doing what I do, but a totally different angle and different style than what I do. Well, I mean, she definitely got a leg up. She's met some unbelievable people in the outdoor industry. And, um, you know, she definitely got a head start um, through your work and through your blog. And she even interviewed Ted Nugent, hasn't she? Yes, she interviewed Ted Nugent at the Golden Moose Awards. And that was, she's had some ups and downs in the outdoor industry. She's had some good experiences and some definite bad experiences that kind of turn her off with the outdoor industry. Mm -hmm. But Ted Nugent was one of the positive ones. And I've had some people are like, really? Like, they're so surprised. But she was allowed, she was told she could interview people be at the, in the green room at the Golden Moose Awards for the Outdoor Channel. And so she had three questions to ask them and all this. Well, then when it came down to that night, they said, you have 30 seconds with each person. She had 30 seconds with Sarah Palin, like 30 seconds. And so that really put a lot of pressure on her. And everything was just rush, rush, rush. And Katie Pavlich was there and she knew Leah and she was so excited to see her and um, there are uh, several different outdoor celebrities that were really nice to her and they just kept hurting everyone through and Ted Nugent, you know, he got his picture then he comes and Leah asked him his, her question and she wanted, her question was, what does it feel like to be a mentor to the youth of America? And he asked all of them and some of them had great answers some of them were like whoa I only have 30 seconds to think about this and I think some of them didn't realize that they are mentors to the youth of America you know that Ted was like wow you know he he answered her and then they're telling him okay go go you know you your time is up and he said no this little lady deserves my respect and I'm going to visit with her. And so they ended up actually having a conversation and he asked her about her hunts and her experience. And it it was something where she was like, wow, that's cool that somebody stood up for her Mm -hmm. and just say, okay, you know, dumb little girl, I'm going to go past to the next person. He's very approachable and he's very accommodating. 
Yeah. Yeah. And Shemaine was super nice as well. You know, both of them were just like, wow, look at this girl. And, you know, yeah. both of them were just like, we hope that you do great things. And it was, it was a neat experience for her. I remember that show. That was uh, like 16, 2016. Yeah. And that was the same show you interviewed um, Taya Kyle. And I was going to say, you and I like, oh, I remember that we crossed a lot of paths that year. <laughs> Yeah, like, oh, you're following us around. No, you're following us around. <laughs> and we actually, it's funny because we were going to cover Trump's press conference, but all our camera gear had to be at the, um, uh, in that uh, room three hours expected. ahead of time. So Secret Service can check the camera gear and make sure everything was above board. So we, inter I interviewed Taya with my cell phone. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, you just have to do what you got to do sometimes right I mean that's yeah. kind of how it works with media I don't think a lot of people realize that the work that goes behind the scenes even for a podcast you know everything that goes into it to make a show well you must really have some pull because you got into the green room I only got to do the interviews on the red carpet <laughs> <laughs> well i guess i did make it to the red carpet but i didn't make it to go to see trump so we didn't have to worry about our cameras being <laughs> but really that was great i mean it was so fun to do all of that and i guess i feel like nostalgic today about it because we haven't been there for a couple years and hopefully this year we'll get some work done out there too yeah i'm, I'm hoping to get a lot accomplished meet some new people and get some good interviews in and mm -hmm. Um, I'm kind of pulling away from um, having the outdoor personality from the outdoor channel and whatnot on my covers uh, because I, I think we're limited to the exposure of the people who know them. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm moving more. Obviously, I have Travis Tritt on the cover of uh, my winter issue. I had Ted Nugent on my fall issue, yeah. um, and I'm actually, I got a big, uh, big one coming up that I'm working on. It's not confirmed yet, but uh, uh, I think I'm going to have Blake Shelton on my uh, spring edition. Yeah, that would be cool. It, no, yeah. it would be really cool if I had him and Gwen Stefani on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's a pretty personable guy, too. He's pretty neat. With um, Nissan, they took us on a, they call it the Nissan Titan Adventure, and they came and we took the trucks to a few different locations but the finale was meeting Blake Shelton and going to one of his concerts and he's a pretty neat guy yeah, that's pretty cool if you can interview him it's you'll have a really good experience with that I'd imagine I'm, I'm looking forward to it because you know what uh, Travis was such a pleasure to interview uh, there was not an ounce of ego in this guy and just so accommodating. Uh, there's not enough good things I can say about them. That's cool. It's neat to meet people that they're just, they're people. And <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. But um, yeah, so we're growing, we're expanding. You know, I've had the pleasure of interviewing Bo Jackson and of course, Joe Montaigne uh, that have more universal appeal. And not to say I, I don't, you know, love the people in the outdoor industry from the outdoor channel and whatnot. I do. Uh, every one of them are, are, are friends. Mm -hmm. They're cool. And uh, if I could help my will, 
Uh, I think something with that and you saying that you're not just focusing on them is the outdoor industry, we're very small. Mm -hmm. And I know when we're around each other, we think like we're the whole world, but really we're very small. And I try to explain this to local kids here that grew up around hunting and stuff like that is we're such a small percentage of the whole country that you have to realize like what the non-hunters see and what anti-hunters see. And if you want to make an impact, what you're doing is going to make a broader impact than just focusing on us. And so here in Colorado, I sit on the Colorado Outdoor Partnership Program on the, on the Colorado Cattlemen's Wildlife Committee. And I'm on a lot of the outdoor, I'm on the Sportsman's Roundtable. But that's something where we work with like the recreationists, the, the anglers, like we're working with everybody and you kind of see that big picture of how we all go together and you're going to make a greater impact if you go beyond your little niche. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it was a great way to get started. Um, you know, a lot mm -hmm. of friends stepped up and, you know, were interviewed for the cover and, uh, it, you know, it, it gave me a little, you know, it definitely gave me a foot up and uh, I appreciate their assistance. Yeah, it's it's pretty neat to see your growth as well in the industry. You said it's been fun to see my my progression, but that you've been progressing too the whole time. And especially when you started the magazine, it's like, wow, that's pretty neat because I was actually really surprised. I didn't know you were going to do that, but it's been neat to read it and see how that's evolving too. I didn't know I was going to do it either. <laughs> Quick. <laughs> the dog has a cold <laughs> does the uh does the emu come in the house too or uh he's yeah. <laughs> only the dogs come in the house um we had so the sheep that i have the kids rescued that sheep and it was bottle fed since it was a baby but when it was little it used to come in the house and then it was like okay <laughs> You're big enough to just get out. Draw the line somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was actually talking about that the other day. My my grandfather, uh, you know, I live in a, a regular residential neighborhood, and my grandfather and my aunts and uncles were all you know residential area. So I went to visit my grandfather one day, and he had a sheep in his backyard. And I was a little kid. I was all excited. I'm like, oh, you got a sheep, and I'm petting it and following it around the yard and whatnot. And the next time I went over, the sheep was gone. I'm like, oh, what'd you do with the sheep? He said, oh, I had to bring it to a farm where it had more room to run. He ate it. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's usually how that works. <laughs> you know, I didn't grow up around that. So, I, you know, it was all foreign to me. Yeah, too funny. <laughs> And now, you know, now I hunt for my food. And now it's, uh, it's good to be able to share your experiences with people. And, you know, a lot of my friends don't hunt, and, but they love for me to cook them wild game. Yeah. So I'm actually hosting a wild game dinner um, this spring. Cool. With Is that part of DSC? No, this is part of American Outdoor News. It's the, oh, cool. the first annual uh, American Outdoor Sportsman Dinner. Uh, I am co-sponsoring it with Chef Foz, who's you know pretty well known. He travels around the country and 
and uh, cooks for a while, Washington's dinners and whatnot. So um, I'm excited about that too. It should be a lot That's of fun. Great. Very cool. Do you have any big hunts coming up? No, my no. season has been a, such a disappointment because um, I had a, a, a hunting club that I was part of for the past 12 years or so. And we had 600 acres. It was a 60 acre lake. We had a archery range, a rifle range and quad trails. And yeah, we just had a close bond with all the members and friends that were involved and the owner sold the property. So yeah. all of us were kind of displaced this year and everyone kind of went their separate ways. And mm -hmm. This, uh, it's been a very uh, unsettling season. Yeah, and that's something that you were asking if we're still guiding and that's, we had done private land stuff and whatnot and we've had that happen as well. One of our landowners where we did the youth turkey hunts, it's very near where we are and we would have put an offer in to buy it and they didn't even tell us they were selling it or anything. We had already booked hunts oh, and wow. And just, we didn't know till like the day after their sale went through when we see people hauling equipment in and out and we're like, what's going on? And oh yeah, we sold that place. So it, it's, that's hard when you're a hunter and you rely on either, like you're saying, like a, a club or a lease or I, I have a lot of friends that have lost their leases in the past year. So I actually had a friend of mine, he has a, a ranch in Pennsylvania He's like, why don't you come up and guide? You could hunt while you're here. So I did a couple of weeks in uh, October and it was fun. You know, I, I got to spend time, more time outdoors. I didn't get much hunting time in, but it was fun to be, you know, in the lodge and taking people out. Yeah. Uh, and now I'm going back after Thanksgiving for a couple of weeks. Cool. And, um, you know, it'll be fun. It's always fun to be in the outdoors. Yeah, for sure. It, to me, the outdoors is kind of healing and it helps you reset. With as busy as we were this summer, we one of our friends came up to hunt and just was coming to hunt. And we were like, well, let's all hunt together. Because if we wouldn't have done that and scheduled the days to go with him, we probably wouldn't have had time to be out there. And it's just like, you can just reset and relax and enjoy life instead of being in the middle of everything that's going on. And yeah. It, really enjoyable and we've actually done that twice this year and literally both times if we hadn't scheduled that with friends we probably wouldn't have made time to get out and that's always, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. i i find that to be a big part of the hunting for me not just being out in the field and and filling your tag it's spending time with friends and family and yeah. uh, swapping lies around the fireplace you know <laughs> yeah yeah, I mean, in catching up because we haven't seen each other in person. So it was pretty cool to have somebody come out and see us and catch up from what we would have had dinner at SHOT Show or dinner at NRA or wherever we were going to be. And none of those conventions have happened. So it's like, okay, <laughs> let's catch up in the woods. <laughs> yeah, NRA canceled the week before the show. That was That was a big disappointment. Yeah, and actually... That was the the one friend that came. It was right after because we were both figured we would be at NRA and then we would hunt the week after NRA. And then that canceled and it was like, okay, well, <laughs> <laughs> we won't have an NRA recap, but <laughs> we'll talk about something. 
Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, hey, I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. I'm looking forward to uh, the show season, uh, which, you know, I'm going to Dallas Safari Club. I'm going to SCI. I'm going to Great American Outdoor Show. So those are all on right now. But yeah. um, we'll play it by ear. Yeah. Do you have any holiday plans? Do you have game feeds for Thanksgiving or Christmas or anything you know, like that? This is a very strange year for me. Um, my brother moved. He's no longer in in uh, in the state. And uh, so Thanksgiving, it's just going to be me, my father, and my son. Wow. So, uh, I actually, actually just made dinner reservations. We're going to go out to a restaurant for the first time ever. And... Uh, try something different yeah at least you guys will have the three of you will be together i mean that's great yeah what are you doing this is going to be my daughter's first year to host thanksgiving so part of her growing and there she's having thanksgiving at her house so she's got her schedule and i asked her what do you want me to bring and all that and we'll see how it goes I, it's pretty fun to sit back and watch and see what see how it turns out but that's our plan and we always when i host it i usually invite like you and your if you lived close like you your father and your son like the, just the three of you you guys are kind of orphans and that's what i always say like thanksgiving Great. to me i always invite the orphans to come because then we can just all be together and so this year having it at her house i'm actually making some dinner to take to some of my orphans that it's not my thanksgiving to invite them so like, <laughs> Instead, I'm taking them some dinners. So, you know, growing up, it was always the same. Like uh, Christmas would be at my aunt's house. Mm -hmm. You never knew who was going to be there. There were easily 50 people every year. Yeah. Uh, and it was always, oh, you have no place to go. Just, you know, come on with us, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, between cousins, uncles, and whatnot, you know, we have a big family to begin with. And then, the strays and it was always a huge event and great memories yeah yeah it, and it's just fun so i think i will miss that this year but it also like i said it's fun to watch her figure out how to do thanksgiving so next step <laughs> yeah it is and that's it as she's like figuring <gasps> it out hey stop it as she's figuring it out it reminds me of when i had mine you know when i made my first thanksgiving so it's Pretty neat to watch it. That's great. Well, on that note, I think we're running out of time. And I want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving, a happy holiday season, uh, and a, a safe and, uh, and uh, prosperous hunting season. <laughs> <laughs> so, Thanks for having me on, Chris. Uh, it's always a pleasure to see you. Thanks again. And uh, don't forget to subscribe to Mac Outdoors and American Outdoor News. In Wild Country, rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery. Waypoint TV.